All right, so like I said, we are in a new series today called Armor. And as we dive into this, I got to tell you a few things. Um, So the first thing is this. We have got a lot of information to cover today. So if you're one of those people who likes when I, uh, you know, end early and, you know, have a nice, fun message uh, that's really encouraging for you, I'm sorry, today's not that day. Um, I'm going to try not to go uh, too long. We've got a lot of information to cover. So if I talk fast, I encourage you to write fast. Today would be a great day to take notes, take pictures of the slides, uh, type on your phone, type on your computer if you're at home, because there is so much great information that we need to be aware of. You also need to know that not only today's message, but this entire series is a heavy series. Again, it's not one of, one of our light and fluffy series. It's got some heavy content to it. And uh, I just want you to be prepared for that. Uh, so we're going to kind of today take a deep dive into some serious content. We'll have a few moments where I'll check in with you, see how you're doing. Hopefully, you'll be doing all right as we walk through some of this heavy material. You also need to know that this series is primarily uh, designed for Christ followers. So if you are a Christ follower, if you, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then pay attention, because this is so important for us to actually apply to our lives every day. If you aren't a Christ follower, don't disengage, because there's a lot that you can learn uh, even if you're not sure you believe everything, you might hear a few things today that you say, you know, like, I don't know that I believe that. You can still learn a lot. And I, I think that what you'll partly learn is that you'll recognize some of the stuff that we're talking about in our world. And you'll recognize how relevant these issues are that we're going to talk about today are for us today. They aren't just a subject for several thousand years ago. It's a subject we're dealing with today. So everybody Ready? Great. Five of you are ready. We're going to dive into the Apostle Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. And this is after he's already spoken a lot to this church in Ephesus, given them a lot of instructions. And then he zeroes in on this in verse 10 and says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop all the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Okay, so that is what this series is based on. And there's three primary things that I want to highlight today that are going to be kind of the framework for this entire series. So the first thing that Paul tells us is we're in a battle. Second thing is we have a real enemy. And number three, we need to know how our enemy attacks. So we're going to start with number one. So we're in a battle. Now, you don't have to be a Christ follower to kind of recognize that we're all in a battle. 
I think we all feel that way sometimes. Like, I know sometimes getting out of bed feels like a battle, doesn't it? Like, oh, no, like, I got to go to work today. I got to do whatever I got to do today. I'm, I'm not excited about that. So sometimes just getting out of bed is a battle. Getting through a busy work day can be a battle. Um, resolving conflict at work or school or even before you leave for work at home can be a battle. Uh, kind of dealing with some of your own internal struggles that you may have, some of your confidence issues or insecurity issues, that can be a battle. Being a parent can be a battle. Trying not to eat the things that we want to eat, especially after coming off a of fast, that, that can be a battle. Trying not to do things we know we shouldn't do can be a battle. Trying to respond like Jesus when things just don't go our way can be a battle. Uh, trying to manage the detours of life that seem to come along and mess up my plans on a weekly basis. Like, that can be a battle. Anybody ever feel like life's just a battle sometimes? Well, the reason life feels like a battle is because it is. Every day we wake up in a battle, and Paul says it's not just any battle. Again, he says in verse 10, a final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So Paul says it's not just a physical battle. This is a spiritual battle that we are in. If you keep reading Paul's writings you understand what's at stake in this battle. Uh, the stakes are very high. We're not just talking about like which football team is better. Uh, we're not talking about which political party is more right than the other political party. Uh, this is a battle of life and death. We're talking eternal life and death. It's a spiritual battle where scripture teaches that people who have a relationship with Jesus will live forever with God, and people who do not have a relationship with Jesus will live forever apart from God. That's what's at stake. And this battle that we engage in our whatever, our, our 50 years of life, our 80 years of life, if we're lucky, 90 to 100 years of life, uh, this battle that we engage is short compared to where we'll spend eternity. So the battle is so important. It will affect us forever. So the stakes are really high. Since this is a spiritual battle, um, the second thing Paul tells us from this passage is that we have a real spiritual enemy. So he says, we're fighting against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers and evil spirits. Doesn't that sound exciting? Like, I don't know if you wake up in the morning, you're like, bring it on, evil spirit. Like, I got you today. Like, you know, I, I don't always wake up that way. There's moments I do. There's other moments I'm like, ah, I'd rather go back to bed. Like, I don't want to fight no evil spirits today. Uh, but Paul tells us our primary enemy is a real being called the devil. And you might know him as Satan. There's a lot of bad theology out there about Satan. Some people don't believe in him at all. Some people think he runs around in red tights with a pitchfork, you know, kind of making our lives a little inconvenient at times. Uh, some people put him on the same level as God, thinking he's got the same power that God does. There's, again, a lot of bad theology about Satan. And again, I don't know what you believe about Satan, uh, but I believe Satan is real for, for multiple reasons. And, and one is that Jesus created him. Jesus actually created Satan uh, not as Satan. He created him as Lucifer. There's only three angels in the Bible that we have names for. They're known as the archangels. Uh, one is named Michael, known as the most powerful angel 
And then there's Gabriel, who delivers messages on God's behalf. And then there was Lucifer. He was the angel of light, the most beautiful angel. But the interesting thing about Lucifer is he didn't like his position. Again, like one of the three archangels. And Lucifer said, I don't like where I'm at. I want more. I want to sit above God's throne. So the Old Testament prophet Isaiah tells us what happened to Lucifer. In Isaiah 14, verse 12, he says, How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountains of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. Everyone there will stare at you and ask, can this be the one who shook the earth and made the kingdoms of the world tremble? So Lucifer got a demotion in his rebellion against God, and now he's known as Satan, which means adversary. And uh, one of the primary reasons that I believe in, in Satan, not just because I see his, the evidence of his work around the world, but because, again, Jesus created him and Jesus believed in him. He wasn't created as Satan. He was created as Lucifer. Uh, but listen to what Jesus said about Satan in John eight forty four. He said that Satan is a murderer. He's the father of lies. In John 10.10, he said Satan's mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. So Satan is a real being, and he hates everyone. He doesn't love people who worship him. He hates them. He hates everyone. If you're a Christ follower, he hates you. And he will do anything and everything he can to keep you from becoming an effective Christ follower. If you are not a Christ follower, he'll do anything and everything he can to keep you from becoming a Christ follower. So Satan is real, and he hates all of us. Now, again, sometimes we have the wrong understanding of Satan. Uh, Sometimes um, we believe he's got so much power. Some people actually put Satan on the same level as God. So let me remind you today, there are two types of beings in the universe. There are created beings and there are divine beings. Divine beings would be God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Every other being is created. Guess what? Lucifer was created. He has power, but his power is limited. We should respect his power and fight effectively against him, but we should know that our God is way more powerful than Satan could ever be. Anybody excited about that? We should be excited about that. We should stay focused on that. But we've got to learn how to fight our enemy effectively because he's got some strategies that we're going to get into in just a minute that he uses against us. So that's number three that we're going to look at, how Satan attacks us. In Ephesians 6, 11, Paul told us that to, we need to put on all of God's armor so that we will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Satan has a strategy against you. Some of his strategies work more, uh, uh, are more efficient against some of us than others. But he has at least seven strategies he uses. So we're going to walk through those strategies today. And I encourage you to pay attention for how you see this prevalent in our world. 
Okay, so strategy number one is the first strategy that was ever used against humans. It's called doubt, the strategy of doubt. So here's how that story unfolds in in his first attack against humans. He attacked Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in this beautiful environment. God created Adam, created Eve, put them in the Garden of Eden, gave them everything they could ever want. Like, it was all there. Like, you talk about living the dream, they were living the dream. And God gave them one instruction. He didn't give them 10 instructions like the Ten Commandments. He didn't give them 613 instructions like some practicing Jews try to follow today. He gave Adam and Eve one instruction. He said, listen, like I've created all these trees for you to eat off of. Uh, there's orchards over there. You could eat peaches. There, there's orchards over there. You could have apples. Uh, there's, there's all these different trees that you can engage in. And, and I encourage you to enjoy. There's one tree, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat it. If you do, you will die. Satan comes along in the form of a snake, and he, he whispers to Eve. He says, did God really say you can't eat any of the fruit in the garden? And Eve starts to doubt. She starts to doubt God's goodness. She starts to doubt God's plan. She starts to think, you know what, Adam? God's holding out on us. There's something that he knows. There's something that he has that we don't have, and we need it. So that doubt caused Adam and Eve to give in and eat the forbidden fruit. Today, Satan continues to use doubt against us on a regular basis. If you're not a Christ follower, you might be somebody who says, you know what, if if God exists, I doubt he's loving. I doubt he's good. I doubt he cares about me. He probably only cares about people who are super religious, but I doubt he he really cares about me. Even if you are a Christ follower, many times we can doubt God's goodness, doubt God's grace in our lives. So Satan attacks us with doubt. Now, I'm not saying that all doubt is bad. Doubt can actually be a good thing if we actually step towards God with our doubt. So if you have some doubts, if you've got some questions, great step towards God. He has real answers for your real questions. And guess what? You're probably not the first one to come up with that question. People for thousands of years have been asking just a handful of questions about God. And God has some great answers if we will step towards him with our doubt. So we have a very doubting world right now. You know what our doubting world needs? It needs believing churches. It needs believing churches filled with believing Christians. So if you are a Christ follower, do you really believe Jesus is the one and only way to eternal life? If you do, does your life show that? And do you share that with other people who aren't convinced of that? All right, so that's strategy number one. Strategy number two against us is deception. And we'll talk a little bit more about this next week. But Satan deceived Adam and Eve into eating the forbidden fruit. So he came along and he said, like, God says you're going to die, but you're not going to die. What's going to happen is you'll become just like God. You'll know the difference between good and evil. He was right and he was wrong. He was telling the truth and he was telling a lie at the same time. He was right because they would know the difference between good and evil. They would know in that moment what they did was evil if they ate the fruit. But he lied about them dying. They did die. And in the Hebrew context of scripture, it's way more than just a physical death. It talks about a spiritual death that happens. There's a relational death that happened. 
the relational death that happened between Adam and Eve. Uh, There's a spiritual death that happened between them and God. So death certainly entered the world in that moment. And so Satan loves to use doubt and deception as some of his most powerful tools against us because it pulls us away from God and it pulls us away from each other. So we have a deceived world out there right now. There are a lot of lies being spoken to our world. And there's a lot of people just believing it, like hook, line, and sinker. So what does our deceived world needs? It needs truthful churches filled with truthful Christians. These Christians who are willing to speak the truth in love. So how are you doing at that? There's a lot of opportunities for us to speak truth in love in our world today. And, and if you watch social media or you watch the news, sometimes we Christians do a really poor job of that. Sometimes we come out with a hammer speaking truth and we forget that Jesus said, speak the truth in love. Other times, like we avoid that stuff because we think, oh, if I just speak the truth, that will not be loving, so I, I better not say anything. But Jesus asks us to speak the truth in love to people who are being deceived. We gotta make sure we're not being deceived and we gotta help other people who potentially could be being deceived. So that's strategy number two. Strategy number three is division. So after Satan decided he wanted God's power, the Bible teaches he convinced a third of the angels of heaven to rebel with him. He created a division in heaven. And then he attacked humanity. And when he came after humanity, he created a division between Adam and Eve and between Adam and Eve and God. And if you read Genesis chapter three uh, later today, I encourage you, you might even laugh at it. Because when he came after Adam and Eve and he started the attack, uh, they did the, the, the game that we all love to play called hide and seek, or hide and blame, sorry. So we, they started hiding and blaming. So they hid from God, and God came like, hey, where are you? Like, oh, we were afraid. We heard you walking. We were a little bit nervous, so we hid. Were you ever afraid of God before that? Nope, no, not at all. And then what did they do? Start blaming each other. So Adam goes, ah, it wasn't me. I mean, it was the woman. It was her fault. She looks at the serpent. Well, it was his fault. And then Adam does this crazy thing. He says, you know what, God? You gave me this woman. You know what? It's your fault. Like, so we love that game, hiding and blaming. When you look around the world, there is so much division. We are divided politically. We're divided ethnically. We're divided generationally. We're divided amongst the genders. Uh, even some churches and Christians are divided. And I think that's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9, he said, God blesses those who work for peace. So if you're a Christ follower, are you working for peace whenever you see conflict and division? When you walk into work and, and you see those coworkers going at it, like, do you step towards that to help resolve that? Or do you like, you know, put your head down and like, let me just get to my office and, and, and go do my thing. Sometimes we're real good at avoiding conflict. But Jesus says, God actually blesses people when you step into conflict to bring peace. Peace is a big deal to God. And our world is divided. So you know what our world needs? Our divided world needs United churches filled with united Christians. So are you united with other Christ followers around you? Are you in conflict with somebody? If you're in conflict, scripture's clear. You need to resolve that conflict. You need to do everything you can to resolve that. 
Do everything you can to live at peace with others. And then are you helping other people resolve their conflicts? It's a big deal to God. Strategy number four, distraction. This is a fun one. So when Satan attacked Adam and Eve with doubt, he also distracted them with the beauty of the forbidden fruit. And it didn't take long for Satan to study humanity and recognize we all have this weakness. And the weakness is we like shiny things. Anybody else like shiny things? I like shiny things. A squirrel. And we get off on our, you know, our relationship with God. We're pursuing God with all we've got. And then all of a sudden, we, we see something shiny over here. And we get distracted. And we're off chasing that thing. And like a week later, a month later, you know, sometimes we'll pause and go like, how did I get over here? Why am I doing this? Why am I pursuing this? It was a distraction. You gave in to the distraction. I gave in to the distraction. So uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 says, after Satan planted a seed of doubt in Eve's mind, it says she was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. She was convinced that this distraction was the best thing for her. She plucked it off the tree, took a bite, and she gave it to Adam. Where was Adam? He wasn't off on some camping trip. He wasn't off naming other animals that hadn't been named yet. Where was he? He was standing right next to her in silence. And he ate the fruit. Now, today, Satan still attacks us with distractions. And he attacks beyond forbidden fruit. Like, we all get the concept of forbidden fruit. Like, we know you engage the forbidden fruit. That's bad. Something bad's going to happen. It doesn't stop all of us from engaging forbidden fruit, though. Sometimes we think, uh, I'll get around this one rule. Like, it won't affect me. I'll be able to navigate it without it really burning me. Uh, but we all kind of get the concept forbidden fruit is a bad thing. But we're also distracted by our careers, our pursuits, our desire for pleasure, our phones, our computers, our TVs. And get this, today we can be distracted by our watches. Uh, some of you wear those things called smartwatches. This is a dumb watch, okay? I got it from Walmart for like 10 bucks. And uh, when the battery dies, guess what? I'll get another one from Walmart for 10 bucks. Um, but some of you wear those really cool watches that do everything that your phone and your computer can do. And I eat lunch with some of you and, and your phone goes off and, it, and you know, it's, like, it's like this really cool thing. You can do all this you know, gadgetry stuff, go-go gadget, it's awesome. Uh, and no offense if you're wearing a smartwatch, I'm, I'm just saying. We get distracted by everything in life. Everything in life distracts us. So I'm curious, what is distracting you away from God right now? What is it in your life? Distractions will keep us from getting the answers that we need to our faith questions. Distraction will keep us from really growing in our relationship with God and becoming the people that God wants us to become. So Satan effectively uses that tool against us all the time. And, and the interesting thing is, Satan doesn't have to make us hate God. He just has to convince us we're too busy for God. Because if we're too busy, we'll never engage the stuff that we need to engage. So what's distracting you from your relationship with God? So we live in a distracted world. And our distracted world needs focused churches filled with focused Christians that we understand that this is not our home, 
that Jesus is coming back one day soon. And we need to be prepared to help as many people come into a relationship with him. We need to be focused on the mission that God has for us. Now, one of the things that distraction leads to is this thing called disconnection. And I have this listed. It's not really listed as a strategy, but you'll find that it's another way that Satan attacks us. So Satan loves it when we are disconnected from God and disconnected from each other. And the reason he loves that is because then we are easier to attack. So I don't know if you like watching uh, like, you know, African safari kind of shows, but I, I kind of like those sometimes, kind of fun, um, except when you're watching the baby zebra kind of, you know, wander off from the rest of the, the herd. Like that's kind of scary because what do we know is going to happen? Like there's a lion out there that's going to eat this baby zebra. So I think the apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 8, he says this, he says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So if you're a Christ follower who's not connected with other Christ followers, not connected in your relationship with God, guess what? You're like a baby zebra and you're wandering off. And guess what happens? Satan loves that. He comes after you. He comes after me in those moments and he comes to attack us So he hates it when we're connected as Christ followers. He hates it when we actually answer Jesus' prayer in John 17, when Jesus prayed to his heavenly father and said, God, I pray that they would be one, just as you and I are one. So that when we are in uh, unity in our relationship with each other, when we're connected in our relationship with each other, the enemy can't attack us effectively. And so he hates it when we are connected. So one question that I have for you is, are you connected in a church home? I'm not saying epic. Uh, If this is the place you come to on a regular basis, then great. I I wonder, are you connected in a small group? Are you connected on a serving team? Those are, are ways to fight against the enemy and be protected from his attacks. You know, when we're in a, a small group, we build relationships with people. We're on a serving team. We're building those relationships with people. We have people who care about us, people who can speak truth to us, people who can pray for us and protect us in moments when we're all by ourselves. The enemy comes and attacks us in significant ways. We were never designed to do life alone. We need to be connected with other people. We need a church home. Uh, if, if you'd say, you know what, I'm new to Epic. I'm not so sure I could tolerate listening to a bald guy on a regular basis. I get it. We have some great churches in town. If you're watching online, there's some great churches you could get connected with. And I think you should be connected in a, a church home to get the protection that you need. So we live in a disconnected world. And our disconnected world needs connecting churches and connecting Christ followers. Strategy number five. Let me pause for a minute. We doing okay? Yeah. Doing all right? Like I know, we, we're covering a lot. We've got a little bit to go. Just making sure you're doing all right. Okay, so no, number five is depression. I think we all know that depression and mental health issues are at an all-time high. And uh, the National Institute of Mental Health reported that over 19 million people in the United States battled depression in 2019. And guess what happened after COVID? After COVID, those numbers almost doubled. People all over the world are battling depression and and mental health issues. And if you've been with us any length of time, you've probably heard me say that Flagler County, Florida has this really sad statistic. The statistic is we have had one of the highest suicide rates out of all the counties in Florida for a number of years. 
And we we tend to kind of stay within that top five, which is a sad thing. Why is that? I'm not sure yet. But it's an effect of the enemy's attack against us using depression. So if you battle depression, you need to know that you're not alone. We actually created a care ministry and a counseling ministry to help people as they battle depression. Again, if you're battling depression right now, stop by our care table before you leave. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to help you in any way that we can. We'd love to get you connected with one of our pastors. We'd love to get you connected with one of our local counselors who can help you navigate some of this. But you are not alone. Over the past 22 years in ministry, I have battled a spiritual depression that humbles me at times. There are moments uh, when things are, are going great in our church family. And if you were to ask me privately, hey, Trent, how are you doing? My honest answer at moments, not at all times, but at moments would be, I am so depressed right now. What are you depressed about? I have no idea. What bad is happening in your world? Nothing. It's all going great. Love it. God's good. Great things are happening. Why are you depressed? I have no idea. No idea. There is a spiritual depression that the enemy uses against all of us. And you see that all throughout the Bible. Guess who else battled depression? Abraham did. Moses did. King David did. Elijah did. Jeremiah did. Naomi did. Job did. Peter did. Going back to Job for a second. If you ever want to be encouraged about your life, read the book of Job. My men's group just finished reading Job. And at the end, we were like, yes, we are not Job. God is good. God is good. No matter what you're facing, somebody else has it worse. Job had it horrible. So everybody battles depression to some level or not. And Satan still loves to use depression today. I don't know if if Satan ever comes and whispers against you, but, but here's some of the things that he whispers against me. There are moments Satan comes and whispers, you're not an effective pastor. You're not an effective teacher. Why do, you, why do you get up there and teach? Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. You know what my least favorite day is? Monday. It's after Sunday, after preaching. I'm curious, anybody else hear stupid thoughts in your head like that? And I'm not talking that you get thoughts about me. I'm talking you get thoughts about you, okay? So if you get thoughts about me and my bad preaching, don't tell me, all right? That, that would not be good for me. We all get attacked like that. What did Jesus say about those attacks? They come from the enemy. They're lies. Why would we listen to that garbage? It comes from somebody who wants to destroy us, somebody who wants to lie to us. Jesus doesn't want that. He wants to speak truth to us. So we live in a depressed world. You know what our depressed world needs? It needs joy-filled Christians and joy-filled churches. And if you're a Christ follower, I got to ask you, are you full of joy and excitement about your relationship with God? I hope so. But I grew up in church world, and I know some of the reality. Some of the reality is Christians are some of the most depressing people to be around. Sometimes you meet other Christians like, hey, how you doing? Like, I'm doing great. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Can't wait for heaven. I'm like, wow, you're like really close. I'm excited to join, join the team. Like, if I wasn't a Christ follower, I would want to be on your team. Wow, that's great. Jesus came to die so we can have eternal life. That's worth being excited about no matter what we're facing in life. 
We wake up in the morning. Jesus has the answer for everything for that day, and he has the answer for all of eternity. So no matter what we're facing, we can say, I can still be joyful. And guess what? Joy is beyond happiness. Happiness is dependent upon circumstances. Things go well, great, I'm happy. Things go poorly, I'm unhappy. Joy is different. You can have joy no matter what you're facing. So we should be the most joy-filled people in the world because of our relationship with God. Strategy number six, destruction. Again, Jesus said in John 10.10 that Satan's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Who does he want to steal from, kill, and destroy? You. Your neighbor, that family member, your coworker, that person across the world you've never met before, everyone. He hates everyone. He wants to ruin your life, your family, your reputation. But then listen to what Jesus says in that same verse. So he continues in John 10, 10. He says, that's Satan's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. So who do you want to spend your time believing? Somebody who's going to lie to you and wants to take your life or somebody who wants to build you up and give you life? Jesus. Jesus. Think about how much time we spend listening to the devil. Way too much. We got to spend more time listening to Jesus and receiving the life that he wants to give us. So we're living in a destroyed world right now. A destroyed world needs life-giving churches filled with life-giving Christians. So the reality is, when you go to work and you interact with that coworker that's really irritating, you know what? Satan's attacking that coworker on a regular basis, trying to destroy them. If they aren't a Christ follower, he's doing everything they can to keep them that way. And they might be a wreck. They might be a mess. And you might be tempted to step away from them, but what does God want us to do? Step towards them. Speak life to them. Be a life-giving Christ follower. Build them up. Help them understand that they, too, can have a relationship with Jesus and find the joy that we have, that we should display to other people around us. I'm curious, has anybody seen any of these six things in the world yet? Anybody? Like, they're everywhere. And uh, if you notice, all six of these first strategies start with the letter D, and I think Satan is just using that for marketing purposes because he's the devil. So like, he's just <laughs> leveraging that. So if you have a D em- emblem on any of your clothing, you probably should change it to something else. <laughs> just kidding if your name starts with D. <laughs> Satan also likes the letter P. Uh, and again, this is a super fun one. Strategy number seven is persecution. Second Timothy 3.12 says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Jesus said in John 15, 18, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember that I, what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master, and since they persecuted me, naturally they're gonna persecute you. And then he said in Matthew 5, 11, he said, God blesses you, when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Doesn't that just sound so great? Aren't you glad you came to church or you're tuned in online like just to hear that encouraging information? 
Well, listen to what Jesus goes on to say of how we should respond when that happens. So when people mock us for our faith, when people persecute us, when people lie about us, when people say all sorts of evil things that just aren't true because we're followers of Jesus, when that happens, Jesus says, be happy about it, be very glad. And Debbie says amen, and I say, say what? Like, you want me to be happy about that? Like, that doesn't sound great. But when we're happy about it, we can be filled with joy. And persecution actually shows that we're following Jesus. And we're actually effectively fighting against the enemy. And then Jesus goes on in that verse. And he says in verse 12, when we do all those things, when you face that persecution and you're happy about it, you're glad, a great reward awaits you in heaven. God says there's going to be a reward. When you battle persecution, when you engage the, the, the enemy in, in an effective way, there's a reward, and those rewards last forever. The struggles we face will last a short time, but the rewards that we'll experience for fighting against the enemy effectively will last forever. So I think that's why... You know, Paul was saying to us in Ephesians 6.10, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. So over the next six weeks, we are going to keep exploring how to effectively use this, uh, these, this warfare, this, this weapons, this armor that God has given us. And as we close today, our worship team is going to guide us through a song called Battle Belongs. And if you're in a battle right now of, of something, of some sort, I want to remind you, and I hope this song will remind you, that the battle belongs to God. He's actually fighting for you in this battle. He's given you armor to wear so that you can effectively stand firm against the enemy as the enemy attacks you. But remember, if you're a Christ follower, you serve the risen king. You serve the king who has already won every battle that could ever be fought. And Satan is a defeated foe. So we have to hold on to that perspective as we battle whatever we're battling. And as our worship team guides us in this final song, before that, I would like to pray for those of you who might be in a battle. So if you're in a battle, whether it's a relational battle, a health battle, a financial battle, a career battle, an emotional battle, a mental health battle, just some sort of battle in your life, regardless of what it is, I'm going to ask for you to stand so I can pray for you. So would you please stand? Thank you for that. Um, and if you're watching online, if you just type in the, the comment section that you're in a battle, we'll be praying for you as well. I'm going to ask everybody else, would you stand? And uh, I think that's very symbolic for us to know that you're not alone. You know, when you look around, you understand there are other people that are in a battle. You're not alone. And You've got a church family to help you, support you, pray for you as you walk through this battle. 
You've got a great God, whether you are a Christ follower or not. If you're not a Christ follower, you can step into a relationship with God and understand how God can help you engage your battle. If you are a Christ follower, remember, this battle is the Lord's. He's going to fight effectively for you. We've got to learn how to follow his lead. So let's pray together. God, today I want to pray for these folks who have stood here, these folks who are identifying online that they're in a battle. Lord, I'm grateful that you know what their battle is. Lord, I may not know their battle. Somebody else around them may not know their battle, but you do. You see every battle. You see every strategy that the enemy tries to use against us. And I'm so grateful that you've given us armor to wear. You've given us weapons to use against our battle, against our enemy while we're in this battle. So Lord, I pray for these folks today that you would speak powerfully to them through this song and throughout the rest of this week and throughout this series that you're fighting for them that they can lean into you in this battle. Lord, I pray that you would teach all of us how to put on your armor so that we can stand firm against the enemy in his time of temptation, his time of testing, his time of attacking us. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to the many people around us who are in a battle that we wouldn't just sit on the sidelines, but we would actually step into that with them, pray for them, do whatever we can to help them. Thank you for equipping us, Lord. May we have the eyes that Paul had when it comes to engaging these battles that we're in. May we always remember we're not in a physical battle with people. We're in a spiritual battle and the stakes are very high. So Lord, guide us as we engage warfare. In Jesus' name, amen.